You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. This is Farah Siddiqui. I'm back with Joe. Or should I say Joe is back? Yes, sir. Joe's back on the podcast after a week in Puerto Rico. How was yes. that, man? It was great. It was great. Very sunny. I got a mysterious cough from it. Not COVID. I have my shots. But, um, yeah, no, it, it was great all around. The beach, the weather, that's really hot. But, uh, you know, nobody talked football down there, so I had to come back. <laughs> that's the only reason why you came back, just to do these only podcasts. Reason. Yep. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so this episode we're going to talk tight ends. But we have to touch on some news. Like OTAs are happening. A big trade just happened. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys heard about it. There was a big trade that just happened a few days ago over the weekend. Um, we'll definitely touch on that. And uh, we're going to talk about you know, a few little tidbits from OTAs. And then we're going to go over our updated post-draft tight end rankings. Uh, last week, I did wide receivers. The week before that, we did running backs. And the week prior, we did quarterback. So you can go check those out to check to get an update on what our rankings look like. Um, let's hit Julio, man. Let, let's hit on this trade. Um, a lot, a lot of um, you know after effects, right? It, it, this this not only affects Julio Jones, AJ Brown, but obviously affects the offenses in Atlanta. It affects, affects the offenses in Tennessee. Um, so, so let's, let's go ahead and dive deep. Um, let's start, uh, in Atlanta. Okay. Um, obviously Julio leaves Atlanta. Um, what are we looking at Calvin really like, where are we looking at Calvin really now? Um, he is obviously the bona fide number one wide receiver at this point. Um, there was some news that he's not at OTAs right now because he actually had surgery on his foot. Uh, Ian Rappaport did report, did say that um, he'll be back. I love saying Ian Rappaport did report or Ian Rappaport did. I just, I couldn't, I don't know why. Ian Rappaport did. Um, I, I lost my opportunity. Um, but he did say that um, really should be fine uh, for the start of camp. Uh, just something to monitor. But regardless, Calvin really is like locked in right now as like a, for me, like a top four wide receiver. You know, um, he had his target share locked up for the most part. Um, but with Julio, the dude was averaging without Julio, I'm sorry, either not finishing the games or, or just playing out last year, he was averaging more than 10 targets a game. Mm -hmm. Um, and that puts him up with the elite guys, like in terms of targets, like Devonta Adams, Stefan Diggs, Keenan Allen, who are all getting, who are all averaging over 10 targets a game last year. So, uh, and when really gets that type of volume, he performs. Um, and if you're worried about, you know, him not him going up against number one corners, double teams, all that kind of stuff. Listen, this guy is he's the one of the best separators in the game and he is going to be successful. There's a reason why the number one corners are going to be on him. That's how it's, that's just how it's supposed to be. 
Absolutely. Uh, and all your favorite wide receivers, <laughs> they have number one corners on them too. So um, this dude is is set. Obviously, he had a big 2020 campaign, but he, he's set for uh, a potentially even better 2021. Yeah, I mean, with the impact of this trade with Julio not being there, the targets are clearly going to be there for the – it's hard to imagine him not being a top five wide receiver at this point. Um, it's just really about how high do you think he's going to go in drafts. Uh, I, I don't know if he'll reach the first round. I wouldn't be surprised to see some people in, like, a 12-team, like, reach at, like, the end of the first. If, you know, if Adams, depending on the situation with Aaron Rodgers, Tyreek Hill, whatever – I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised to see that, but I imagine his value would be somewhere in the mid to high second round uh, ADP. Where, where, where I think he, he might have already gone, depending on how you draft, right? Like if you're not going to reach for those RB2s or those high-end RB2s uh, early in the second round, mid-second round like me, like I'd rather have Calvin Ridley than some of these mid-RB2s, for example, right? And, and I'm personally okay like pulling the trigger like mid-second for Calvin Ridley. Um, yeah. as like the fourth receiver off the board or something like that. Um, I'm okay with that. And I think like this isn't going to affect his ADP a whole lot. Like I think people might be more comfortable taking him mm-hmm. because they know that like bona fide wide receiver one, now that Julio left. Um, so he might go up a couple spots, whereas more people might be interested in really than before. Um, that's kind of how I see it. Yeah. And for me, um, you know, obviously Ridley's in a place of his own. When it came to Julio and his value, I had put out the story saying, like, oh, I believe, you know, this guy's value went up, this guy. I had Julio's value going up only because his situation was unknown about where he was actually going to land. If it ended up being a place like New England, that could have been, like, a lot worse. Um, you know, it, it, his position at that point was just totally in question. So that's why I had sure. Julio going on the rise in uh, landing in yeah. Tennessee. Hundred percent. And let's stick with before we get to Julio. Let's stick with the rest of the Falcons. Um, you know, I I think we, me and you, would agree uh, that Kyle Pitts would be the number two option here. Um, yeah. As a tight end, this might be one of those situations where, elitely, you know, amazing opportunity and amazing talent meet for the first time ever as a rookie tight end. Like this is yeah. the best possible scenario, right? In terms of. In terms of like uh, projecting this forward, obviously, you know, Kyle Pitts, does he have a chance of busting in the NFL? Of course, everybody does. But at the same time, like project projection wise, like this is the best situation that any rookie tight end can get into. And as a fantasy player, this is the best time to actually roster a rookie tight end and actually pay for one. Now, am I going to pay for Kyle Pitts? Maybe not. It really, it really depends where his ADP settles. Cause right now I'm guessing, you know, fifth round, something like that, you know, who knows? Some people might pull the trigger higher in redraft, which is crazy for a rookie tight end. I don't know if we've ever drafted Nuts. a rookie tight end that high. Nuts. Right. Um, but I, you know, right now, like for me, like I don't see anybody who's going to compete, um, you know, for that second, uh, second person, second player in line for targets uh, behind Calvin Ridley. Yeah, I mean, Russell Gage had his moments last year. Um, I, I know we're going to get into that. I saw your post on that and uh, about yeah, and we, and we can we can get into it like as we're talking about you know as we're talking about pits because it's kind of related. Yeah, so Russell Gage last year he had like uh, over 110 targets with Julio being out. That's a different system, you know. That's uh, that's their cutter. That's throw the ball 50 times a game. Um, 
And, and Arthur Smith is a different kind of guy. Arthur Smith isn't going to run, as you said, those 11 personnels. He might be more inclined to run two tight end sets, 12 personnels with Hayden Hurst and Kyle Pitts, which could take away from Russell Gage playing on the inside. He could still have success on the outside. Uh, I, I know also in that post, you mentioned that Russell Gage, about 70% of his production came from the slot. Something yes. So yeah, seventy percent so. throughout the entire season, and then when Julio was out for those last like you know six games or so, when when you know when he when Gage really came on, uh, he was on the field a lot more, right? And he was playing on the outside a little bit as well. And when he was kind of mixing in outside and inside, about fifty percent of his production came out of the slot. Um, but you know we still don't have that much evidence that he can play well in man. Because, uh, you know, throughout those six games, he had less than 100 yards receiving, uh, you know, in man coverage. So, you know, according to pro football focus. So, like, it's one of those things where, you know, if they do play a lot of 12, 12 personnel, you know, he's going to have to depend on some zone to get open. Um, and I don't know that he can play on the outside. I just don't want to bet on that. And I feel like his ADP might be at a point that, hey, we're taking the Falcons wide receiver, you know, Falcons wide receiver too. They're a pass heavy offense, you know what I mean? But like you said, Dirk Cutter, he's gone. And like, I'm not even, I'm not even projecting this to be a run heavy offense. It's more about yeah. Dirk Cutter leaving than it is Arthur Smith coming in, right? They had Derrick Henry in Tennessee. So of course they were going to be run heavy. Um, now Tennessee with Julio there, like they might not be as run heavy, right? They might be more balanced. Um, but it's one of those situations where like, you kind of have to look at, uh, the, the whole pitch, right? Arthur Smith coming in too, like his pace of play was near the bottom of the league uh, over the past two seasons. And Dirk Cutter was at the top of the league <laughs> over the past two seasons. So more opportunity for these wide receivers. Um, so like you said, you know, Russell Gage is somebody who, you know, might not see enough opportunity in the right spots for him to come through for you. And I, the volume also might not be there for him. Um, I feel like- but, but Kyle Pitts though, man, like, yeah, you know he has that skill set to to win anywhere on the field. Yeah, so I I feel like the like per place with Arthur Smith is a little subjective, only because you know when you're running the ball with Derrick Henry thirty times thirty times a game, that's a lot of clock being chewed up. It takes away a lot of different opportunities for other plays, as opposed to you know incomplete passes or you know going out of bounds on the sideline. And Derrick Henry's not doing a lot of going out of bounds either. He's just kind of chugging his way down the field and being taken down. So that definitely plays a huge part in terms of the opportunities and the plays. And I think without Derrick Henry, with Mike Davis leading that backfield, um, probably seen average number of plays. But, you know, in, in general, just going from dirt cutter to no dirt cutter, no matter who the new offensive coordinator is, is a huge drop in pass attempts just because that's the only thing cutter does. He just spams it in the passing game. So that being said, uh, I did a full breakdown of Kyle Pitts yesterday. I, I'm excited for him. I know you're going to have to reach for him in that fifth, sixth round. Um, it might push TJ Hawkinson back. I'm really hoping people play, take Kyle Pitts above Hawkinson because I'm huge in Hawkinson this year. I think Hawkinson is going to be a great value in the fifth, sixth. Um, he's going to get a shitload of targets. Uh, you know, Pitts also in a similar boat as a rookie tight end. Delaney Walker with Arthur Smith in Tennessee, four straight years with over 800 receiving yards. No matter, you know, Arthur Smith being the tight end coach at that point in time, no matter how inconsistent the quarterback play was, Delaney Walker always produced, you know, in, in those line of years. So um, even yeah. John o. Smith last year was doing great. Anthony, John o. Smith and Anthony Ferkser, 
Uh, and the other tight ends for the Titans combined for 130, 138 targets last year, which was roughly 30% target share, which is nuts. And uh, Yeah, I think they were third in target share last year. Like if, yeah. if, you, if you look at the tight end position, um, the Titans targeted the tight end at, a th- at, a, at the third highest rate uh, in, in, the, in the NFL. And that's with A.J. Brown and with Corey Davis on the field. You know, it's yeah. not like they didn't have any wide receivers to throw to, A.J. Brown being one of the better – wide receivers in the league and Corey Davis having a very productive year. So exactly. Now let me ask you a question. Are you completely off of Matt Ryan? Not completely off, but I think he goes from one of those uh, his upside has gone down a little bit for me. I, I think he'll like, if you're into two quarterback or super flex, I think he'd still be someone I'm targeting in sure. the later rounds. But if we're talking one QB, I'd rather go for, you know, an upside pick. Matt Ryan went from one Top of those. 20? Top 20, yeah, you know, yeah. just fitting okay. into that top 20. You know, I, I I just don't feel like he's got the upside he did if Julio was also there. Right, exactly. I agree with that. Um, I'm not sure if I put him in my top 20, though. Not sure. Uh, and I'd um, be fine with that, too, because I think there's a lot of other guys with higher upside. Yeah, no, yeah, I think so. Um, okay, so let's we, we kind of talked about that. Uh, just one thing I want to mention, uh, Hayden Hurst might be on the field more often than we think. It might be a lot of two tight, two tight end sets here because there is no wide receiver. There's, there's not three wide receivers that you really want on the field at all times. And if there is a three wide receiver set, you might have um, Kyle Pitts in the slot a ton. You know what yep. I mean? He might even play out wide. Um, yeah. So think of these tight ends. And if, if Kyle Pitts is on the field in the slot, <laughs> they're going to have have another tight end in there uh, and Hurst can easily uh, be that guy. And potentially um, don't be surprised if you're streaming him certain games too. Um, you know, just like how Anthony first was able hurt. to do some things. Exactly. Just how Anthony first was able to do some things. Like we're talking about a little bit more of a talented tight end uh, sure. in, in Hayden Hurst here. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. Does this affect Mike Davis at all to you? Um. You think there's more targets available for him in the passing game? I mean, by default, you know, seemingly more targets available on the field. You know, I think Mike Davis is just going to do Mike Davis things. I think he's going to be average in the running game. Solid solid RB2? Yeah, like a low-end running back, too. Honestly, I I did my projections out on him. And without being, like, really anti-Mike Davis, it's kind of hard for him to not be a running back, too. Like yeah, I was, I generously gave like a hundred carries to all the other Falcons running backs just wow. to test it out. And like, he still had over 200 and like he was still running back to, and I'm trying to like give him less time. Like no matter what you do in the projection scheme of things, I really don't see the other Falcons running backs combining for a hundred. Everybody, <clears throat> sorry, a little cough now. That's all good. Awesome. But um, everybody's saying like, Someone commented on my post. They're like, oh, Mike Davis, why would you draft him? I did a mock draft. I picked him at the end of the fifth round, which I thought was wow. insane value. 5'10". And he said, don't draft Mike Davis. He's not going to start. I was like, who the hell is going to start over Mike Davis right now? <laughs> and he said, exactly. a guy named Huntley, who's an undrafted free agent, yep. and uh, the other undrafted free agent that they have. Those are the two names that gave us. The- They're not Here's even guaranteed to make the team. I think this is the t- time of year that, you know, people like really like, you know, think too hard, right? And they think too much. Like it's you don't outsmart yourself here. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like don't 
don't look at this situation like it's a trap because his risk is built in, into his ADP. You're not taking, you're yeah. not like you're taking Mike Davis like early th- in the early third exactly. or something like that. Like you're probably going to dra- draft him in the fourth in a 12 team league reasonably. You know what I mean? I doubt he's going to drop to the fifth if things stay, you know, the same. Uh, and I'm guessing there's going to be a little bit of hype around Mike Davis because right now people are a little bit unsure what that what's going to happen there. If you're drafting right now in, in a real league, like you're, you better take advantage of that price right now. Because um, uh, once his role is relatively solidified, you know, in camp, people are going to start drafting him a lot earlier than that. Yeah, um, I'm telling you, like, there's no way you're getting a three-down running back in the fifth round. The value right now with these running backs is like way too easy, right? Yeah, like you should is. be 100% taking these wide receivers early this year because fourth round you can get ETN, you can get David Montgomery, which you know he's whatever. Miles Gaskin. Kareem Hunt is in that range. Chase Edmonds in that range. We just talked about Mike Davis being in that four to, exactly. five, four to five range. Like, there's so many guys that I would still all take guys, and consider them a fine running back, too, if needed. All guys I'd rather have than David Montgomery. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, so let's let's move on to the Titans real quick. Um, okay, so, so one thing, and, and this is, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like mulling a post that I'm going to do tomorrow, and, and I want to get your thoughts on this, okay? AJ Brown, you know, last year there were games where Corey Davis out targeted AJ Brown. Um, there were games where, you know, they had a similar target share. Um, and I know the type of game that they played and the type of defense that they had and all that kind of stuff, like factored into how they were used and who got the targets those games. Julio Jones is, uh, is an elite wide receiver. Okay. And Corey Davis is not. Corey Davis is a good wide receiver, but he's not an elite wide receiver. Now, if Corey Davis was going to out-target uh, A.J. Brown on occasion, who is to say that Julio Jones is not going to do it also and potentially do it even more, right? Um, it's very possible that Tannehill got A.J., you know, got, got Julio in here, and he's going to target him just as much as he's going to target A.J. Brown or more at times, right? Um, so do you think that – AJ Brown and Julio Jones should be closer in, in, in rankings. Like where do you have Julio Jones right now compared to a uh, compared to, I'm sorry, where, where do you have Julio Jones compared to AJ Brown right now in your rankings? So AJ Brown, I've kept him at the number four spot. I have him. I had him at four after the trade. He's still sitting at four for me. I think the way they used AJ Brown in his second year, I don't want to, I want to take it with a grain of salt for a couple reasons. One being it's his second year in the league. Two being both his knees were injured, right? And they told him, like, you should not play the rest of the season. He said, no, I'm going to play. And he toughed through it and he played. He missed, like, every Wednesday practice. And, like, you know, every week it was questionable whether he was going to be in for that game. But he, he pushed through and he ended up playing for the uh, entirety, of the rate, entirety of the year. So that's another reason why I think maybe that could factor into less of his usage. Um, you know, and, and at the same time, like sometimes just continuity, right? Like Ryan Tannehill, sometimes Corey Davis found his groove. Like you said, he's not an elite wide receiver, but he had his moments. He had his games where he was seeing the better coverage. And I think the way they were using Brown they weren't using him as like the alpha wide receiver one. We're going to use him short yardage. We're going to use him here. We're going to use him as the deep threat. We're going to use him as the deep guy. And I think that's going to change this year. I think that's going to change for all those reasons. 
he's definitely the true alpha. He proved that last year, even through two knee injuries. And uh, I, I think using him differently is going to play a huge factor into his target share. Um, he might have his yards per reception go down just a little bit, just because like the way he'll be used. But overall, I, I think AJ Brown's going to be used in a better role going forward. Okay, and and where do you have Julio? Uh, around fourteen. Around fourteen. So he didn't really <clears throat> change much for you. Yeah, no, you know Julio just kind of oh. like. So neither of them changed around the for you for the most part. Yeah, n- neutral move up in the sense of his situation was up in the air for a little bit, and now yeah. we know. So up in that sense, but overall hasn't really changed too much for me. I think there's plenty of targets in this offense. I think Ryan Tannehill is going to be forced to throw the ball more this year because that defense, that secondary, somehow has gotten worse. That pass rush has gotten worse. I think they're going to be forced into a lot more passing situations. And plus, when you have two alpha wide receiver ones, why not? Yeah, I think that's one of the reasons why I think this is going to be a more pass-heavy offense. Uh, I don't think it's going to be a pass-heavy offense, but I do think it's going to be more pass-heavy. It's going to be more balanced, right? This is not going to be a, you know, we're not going to see games where Ryan Tannehill's throwing the ball 18 times, 25 times. I do think Ryan Tannehill's going to average, you know, 30 to 35 passes a game, which is about average, right? Um, I think that with two alpha wide receivers, uh, Ryan Tannehill's value obviously goes up. He's in a situation where he might have to pass more. He might have to depend on efficiency anymore. And um, he might be one of those late round quarterbacks that we target. Um, it's possible that he his value goes up a little bit and we don't, you know, we don't want that. I just want to see what his ADP climbed to this week. Um, let's see. I'm checking it right now. Uh, he's a QB 11 right now. So he's going in like That's the round or so. Yeah. Um, that makes sense. That makes sense. And, you know, for him to be a low on QB one right now is probably a good move. That, that probably makes a lot of sense. Uh, and he has two alpha wide receivers. Now, the only issue, you know, with, with, with Julio is that, you know, obviously AJ Brown had his shared injuries as well, but you know, Julio Jones is getting up there in age, you know, there is no guarantee that he's going to be able to play a full season. Um, but when he was playing, especially in the beginning of the year, he was killing it, right? He, yeah. he, he could separate it with the best of them. Um, he could, you know, he was still that alpha wide receiver and he still got it in him. It's really about, uh, you know, can he put together a whole season or put, can he put together 12, 13 healthy games for you, right? I think that's the only concern that I have with Julio Jones, which yeah. is why, you know, I think AJ Brown's, you know, more in his prime or getting there, you know, than Julio is on, <clears throat> on the downhill, right? So, which is why, you know, I, I did move AJ Brown down. Like I had AJ Brown, I think I had like three or four. Um, I think I had him at four. Um, and then now I'm moving him down to about seven or eight. Um, and now I'm, 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 and I moved Julio Jones up like one spot. And so like, I think yeah. it's like my wide receiver 13 now. Um, just because I think that uh, he, he, he got a, an, an efficient quarterback. He got a, uh, he got somebody who could target him downfield. He got somebody who can target him uh, accurately. You know what I mean? So this is like a, a decent situation for him. It's not like he went to, it's not like he's Jared Goff's number one receiver, right? Even though like that would have probably worked out okay. Uh, but at the same time, at least he got a good quarterback. So I'm happy that that worked out the way it did. Um, but, I, you know, I, I wonder though, I wonder if Julio does stay healthy, you know, does A.J. Brown suffer in terms of targets? The good thing with A.J. Brown though is he's always been efficient, right? Uh, you know, yeah. in his first two years, like he does more with less targets than any wide receiver in the entire league. So yeah. 
you know, is one of those situations where the ceiling is there. He has, no matter what, he has the overall wide receiver one ceiling. Um, so, but I don't think that I'm personally going to be taking AJ Brown early second round. I'm taking Calvin really over him now. I had Calvin really ab- below him a couple spots. Now I'm taking Calvin really above him. Um, I'm taking a few guys above him now. Um, I'm even going to take a guy like DeAndre Hopkins above him at this point. Um, but, you know, I, th- I still think AJ Brown has that ceiling at the same time. Uh, I'm just a little bit worried about it. I am going to do a little bit more research on this, though, because I do want to create a post about it um, and, you know, kind of get, you know, an idea of, of what those targets might look like in this offense going into next year. Um, yeah, I mean, go ahead. No, just to add on to that, for me, the AJ Brown thing was a lateral move because if AJ Brown loses some targets, first of all, there's 200 or so vacated targets in Tennessee. Even if Julio steps in <clears throat> and takes 120 of them, right? AJ Brown, 17 game pace last year would have put him for 128 targets. With the extra targets from that 200, call it the 80 or so extra, I think there's a good chance A.J. Brown himself can get to 140, 150 targets. I think there's definitely a world where that's still a possibility, even with Julio there. If if Julio plays like, you know, 14, let's say Julio plays 14 games, I think Julio's going to get like 130 to 140 targets also. I was projecting A.J. Brown to get 175 targets this year, you know, um, just because of the fact that there was nobody there. And, which is what? why I, ha- I I was I was fine taking him as the wide receiver four because that wide receiver one overall wide receiver one spot was like there for the taking for him. And another thing too is that if AJ Brown moves down from that 170 range to 150, you also have to account to how much listen, more. 150 is great. <laughs> 150 with AJ Brown is like 180 for you know whoever, yeah, uh, whatever wide receiver insert there, but like. You also have to take into account the value per target with Julio also on the field. The coverage, not that it's ever been a huge issue for A.J. Brown, but the coverage, the easy, easier coverage he'll see with Julio yes. on the field, you have to improve the value per target. Yes. So I think Great point. if he has to drop a little bit in overall targets to get higher value per target, it's definitely worth it for me. And that's why for me, a healthy A.J. Brown, you hopefully they'll use him as a true alpha this year. I have no problem taking him as a top five wide receiver. That those are all great points, man. That's why you're on this podcast. Okay, um, Anthony Ferkster, is he dead to you? He's dead to me. Uh, he's he's <laughs> he's dead to me. He'll be uh, he he turned in from this sleeping, you know, potential consistent like those one of those outside the top ten guys who like has those big gains, but like he's your starter because you don't have anyone else. He turned from that guy into a pumpkin. Yeah, I'm not going to consider him unless like I need a waiver grab for this week, and he's got a good matchup, and Julio's hurt, and you know, right. there's yep, a lot yep, of ifs exactly. with Ferkser now. He's a waiver wire potential. Yeah, he went from this potential number two target to background player. Yeah. So that's right. exactly okay. I think we talked about that enough. Let's move on to a couple pieces of news. Um, Gus Edwards got a t- two-year, ten million dollar contract. Um, we we didn't see this contract coming, but we did see him being very involved in this offense, right? We knew that that was this was going to happen. We knew that he was valued, and the fact that him and Dobbins were getting a very similar workload, um, even though Dobbins might be the you know preferred 
goal line back. Who knows? That could change. That could alternate. We have no idea. So Gus Edwards is probably being overvalued right now. Gus Edwards is probably being undervalued right now. Um, it's one of those situations where, um, you know, in redraft, if I, I wouldn't be too excited if I have Gus Edwards, unless I'm sorry, uh, if I had Dobbins, unless Gus Edwards uh, got hurt at some point that, but that's about it. In dynasty, I'm buying as much as I can. Um, Dobbins. Yes. Because of the fact that, you know, people, people are have win now teams. They, they don't want this type of situation on their team, you know, and obviously he's a league winner, you know, at some point in his career. Um, so we'll see. Hopefully that oh, ends up manifesting. There. Hopefully that ends up manifesting at some point. Um, Harbaugh did say that the, the, that he wants to have the running backs, um, you know, he wants to emphasize the, the passing game for these running backs and actually have them get more targets. Um, do you buy that? Do you think that's going to happen? Do you think Lamar is going to switch his style? Um, I mean, he is a rushing quarterback and we've seen over the past, you know, several years that like rushing quarterbacks usually don't target the running backs like that anyway. I think we're going to see a career high amount of passing attempts for Lamar Jackson this year. <laughs> I think there is watching what Josh Allen did and how he turned from this almost like pure rushing quarterback to this passing phenom last year with the addition of Stephon Diggs. <clears throat> they added Rashad Bateman. They signed Sammy Watkins. They added Tylen Wallace. It makes me think that the Ravens want to do a little more with their passing game. And uh, will the running backs get involved? Maybe a tad bit more, but like, it's not like instead of Dobbins getting one look a game, he'll get two, maybe three on a, on a lucky day. You know, Gus Edwards yeah. will get a share. Maybe even Justice Hill, who I've been talking about as someone being that third rotational back. Maybe he even sees some some looks as a uh, third piece in this backfield. Because well, John something... Harbaugh did talk him up a little bit too. You know, and they over, used him over, last over year the, when past week when when Mike uh, when Mark Ingram was a healthy scratch for each of those games. Justin Hill, Justice Hill was active at the end of the year. He did get snaps and he did get some targets. And Dobbins kind of completely disappeared as a pass catcher so this could potentially be a three-man backfield but you know on the ground Dobbins could get like six yards per carry give Dobbins over 200 carries throughout the year and he could easily hit over a thousand yards like yeah you know so it's complete hit or miss I'm not buying too much out of this coach speak they bring in all these extra wide receivers you don't think they're not going to get more targets I mean that was their issue so I don't know if it goes up, it's not going to be enough to like make me buy back into Dobbins as a high-end running back, too. Right. Okay. Um, LaVisca Chenault apparently making waves in camp. <laughs> like, this dude, apparently the beat writers are, 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 ta- are talking a lot, you know what I mean, and talking a lot about him. Um, they're saying that he's catching everything, and he's the most involved wide receiver. Uh, they did mention also, like, kind of like, you know, in, in in the bushes, like Marvin Jones is also being very consistent as well. Um, so, like, you know, those those two guys are kind of like more positive news about them. Uh, DJ Shark, not so positive. Um, not so positive. I mean, it, it could be uh, it could be spun positively, you know. But uh, Urban Meyer did looked at this. Is, it's fan. so funny that Urban Meyer like talked to ESPN about this publicly and said that so you know bad. he watched DJ Chark's film last year and he simply did not like how he played at all. He did not play physical. He played. He was a big receiver playing like a small 
guy, you know, and it was just like, oof, if I'm DJ Shark, I'm hurt. But DJ Shark apparently uh, took the challenge. He said that, like, he, he's happy that Urban Meyer talked to him and he's up for the challenge. And he actually apparently gained six or seven pounds of muscle. So that's good for him, but not starting off on the right foot uh, with your new coach. So as of right now, um, you know, LaVisca Chenault's ADP dropped a little bit, you know, uh, since they drafted Travis Etienne. Um, so as of right now, well, let's see, it, you know, if his ADP spikes back up. Um, but if I'm drafting today because of the hype, LaVisca Chenault's price might be good enough if he's the number one wide receiver in terms of targets uh, in th- this year, right? But at the same time, it's too early. It's OTAs. Got to wait for camp, wait for preseason. Um, a lot can change. Um, but it's good to know. It's good to read the tea leaves a little bit and figure out, you know, who Trevor Lawrence and who this offense is targeting, you know, from the get. So there's two ways this DJ Chark news can be spun, right? It could go, sorry about my cough again, but it could be spun in this sense of Urban Meyer wants to push DJ Chark to be a better player. He said this publicly because he wants Chark to put in the extra work and be that number one wide receiver for them. That's one way to push this narrative. But the way I'm thinking is Urban Meyer, this is just kind of how he is. He just kind of said, yeah, Travis Etienne, we, we wanted Kadarius Tony. We were upset we didn't get Kadarius Tony. So we picked Travis Etienne. Like, it's kind of just weird stuff to just openly admit. So for him to come out and say like, you know, I wasn't impressed with what DJ Chark did. I, I'm, I'm taking that, you know, I'm I'm taking that as the real deal. I'm not taking that as encouraging Chark. I'm just taking that as this is how Urban Meyer rolls. He's going to speak the truth. He's going to talk to the public. He's going to say what he's feeling. Maybe it's a mistake. Maybe it's not. I don't know. But I'm staying away from DJ Chark. Um, and with his response, how else can you physically respond like it, what he's going to be hammered with questions. What do you think about what your coach said? What do you think about this? So if I'm his publicist, I'm like, okay, put out, you know, this is motivation, put that out there, put that out that he's just motivating you. Like there's no good way to answer that question other than to say, well, I'm going to take this, I'm going to learn from it and I'm going to do better. And that's just really what it is. So I don't think this is DJ Chark getting, you know, like, on the rise, making his name, making a name for himself. I think this is Urban Meyer just not liking him and DJ Chark just having the response he can. So yeah, I'm, I'm all on board with LaVisca being the number one wide receiver. There wasn't any of these three guys where I was like, Oh, for sure. DJ Chark is going to be the guy. Oh, for sure. Marvin Jones is the one. Oh, for sure. It's LaVisca Chanot. I, on my head, I'm thinking, can I get like Colin Johnson with my last pick in a deeper league? Can I, you know, target one of these Jalen Camp if he even makes the team? I, I want the later on value. It's I think of it like the 49ers backfield. Like this is just a mess of guys who one guy could be good. It could be this guy this week, this guy that week, whatever. I want the later guys. I want that Elijah Mitchell later on the draft. I want one of those guys. I don't want to try to but the ADPs, I don't know. Well, I'm the flavor, kind of, of, the, the the flavor of the week, the flavor of the week this week is DJ is uh exactly. and that's and, kind you know, of the way I'm we, feeling. We have to awesome. see we have to see how many of these weeks we can stack up, stack on top of each other, right? If we continue to hear <laughs> similar things, then LaVisca Schnault is going to be that dude, right? And these are the type of things you have to pay attention to. Um, and, you know, if you if you listen to it about – like, it's funny, Marvin Jones is on this team, but Marvin Jones several years ago, you know, when, you know, he, he – 
he joined the Lions um, from Cincinnati, you know, yeah. he was in a situation where it was like Matt Stafford targeting Marvin Jones every single, you know, every week. And well, lo and behold, when the season started, Marvin Jones like had like 800 yards in his first eight games or something crazy like that. So, you know, it's worth paying attention to this stuff. Absolutely. Um, okay. Dak Prescott, there was a video that the Dallas Cowboys put out and it was in OTAs where, da- where, where Dak Prescott rolling out to his right, uh, throwing that pass deep to CD Lamb. Great catch by CD, right? CD's obviously one of my main targets in, in every single draft. Like, He's going to be amazing, right? If I get Amari or him, I'm happy. But CeeDee Lamb just looks like a freak, and he looks like he can. He has top five wide receiver potential uh, even this year. But that's not what I'm going to talk about. I want to talk about Dak Prescott and his, and his foot, right, and his ankle. Um, mobility was one of my concerns going into, you know, for example, ranking Dak Prescott as like a top two, top three quarterback this year. Um, but that video, you go, go look at it. It's a very encouraging sign. It's just encouraging that he was able to like put weight on it, run around, make a play. The mobility is, is big. Right. And I was just hoping that they're not taking away that mobility from him and like doing less of those bootlegs, less of those play actions and that sort of thing. And they're doing it off the bat. They're doing it in OTAs. You know what I'm saying? So like, I, I, I'm happy that that's going on right now. It's a good sign. And I'm hoping that he gets better and continues you know, a couple of weeks ago, there was a picture of him. Uh, his his ankle was pretty swollen still, um, and, and you could see it like pretty easily. Um, but at the same time, like I, I'm, I'm that video was encouraging. So I'm happy with that progress and this this Dallas Cowboys offense this year, especially given how bad their defense is going to be this this season, especially their secondary. This is good. Like hopefully, Dak Prescott. I'm crossing my fingers that Dak Prescott can stay healthy. Six thousand yards. Gonna be, this offense is going to be. <laughs> Dude, he was like on pace for over six thousand yards before he got hurt, and that was in like sixteen games. Like, it was unbelievable, is... unbelievable. And then, not to mention the what he was doing on the ground too. You know? Yep, um, it, it was an incredible start to the season. Okay, uh, Antonio Gibson, you know, has a little bit of a nagging toe injury. He had turf toe last year, apparently, and um, it's nagging him still. Um, you know, going into OTAs and they're kind of taking care of it a little bit. But, you know, he's still practicing in OTAs and all that. He's still doing okay. It's not like he's missing sessions right now. Uh, but he definitely still feels it. Turf toe is not something to mess with, uh, but it is something that is is um, is still there for him. Um, and if he continues to participate and with no limitations right now, like I'm, I'm not worried about it. Not that I was amazingly, you know, that, that I'm like, all in on his ADP or anything like that. That's a separate conversation, but it's more like I'm not necessarily avoiding him because of the toe. Yeah, I mean, to turf toes can be tricky from what I've known, what we've seen with like AJ Green, what we've seen with Julio Jones and uh, Devontae Adams, even a lot of different guys who've dealt with turf toe. But, you know, it, it's he's still young. Not that it means it doesn't hurt more, but. I don't know. I, I want to see how OTAs go. I want to okay. see how the rest of this offseason goes. And if it's something that's still bothering him or if it's something you know, that it, he's it, being it, held out of practice. And... Exactly. It's not like he just got it right. got the injury right now. Right. Because exactly. then it would be definitely concerning. Like Devonta Adams had turf toe for a while. He came back um, the next year and he was amazing. Right. Like a lot of these guys like <clears> over an offseason, they're good and they come back and they're fine. So I'm hoping that that's the case with him. Um. So- Curtis Samuel, Curtis Samuel apparently has a groin injury, um, you know, still OTAs, just but it's something to, to kind of keep in mind, especially when you see a bunch of Terry McLaurin highlights. By the way, Terry McLaurin, 
I, I feel like there's not enough hype around him uh, as like w- one of the elite wide receivers um, in the league. Um, and, you know, I know that, you know, he hasn't shown it at the end of last year. But one thing about him, la- him last year was that um, didn't he have a high ankle sprain last year? Or was that the year before? I, I don't know. Sure. Hold on, hold on, hold on. By the way, when did he, Ryan when did he have the high ankle sprain? Yeah, he had, he had two high ankle sprains in 2020. So, you know, we know what happens after high ankle sprains, right? These players are never the same, right, after those high ankle sprains. So, you know, take take what he did after that with a green assault and draft him <laughs> in 2021 with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Dude, Ryan Fitzpatrick, way overvalued. I did some digging, and I am just – oh, I am totally off for Ryan Fitzpatrick. Not that he's not still a significant improvement for Terry, but he is just – I think he's overvalued. You mean as, as himself, as a quarterback, as a fantasy as, quarterback? As a quarterback in terms of talent, as a quarterback in terms of fantasy, I just – Yeah, I think everybody – I think we're all on board on the fact that Ryan Fitzpatrick is nothing more than a stopgap quarterback, right? Yeah. Uh, but in that – in those periods of his – Stopgapness, he has produced some amazing fantasy value with for, for his receivers with the help of okay, Chan Gailey. I, 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 I hear you. I hear you. His seasons I, 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 without Chan Gailey, he's not even, he's like not even starter worthy. Yes, I think it's one of those situations where you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick here, he is the starter. Um, I don't think there's a situation where like you know, they're going to bring in Taylor Heineke at some point in the middle of the season. It seems like it's his team as of right now. He's going to get the full training camp. He's going to get all of OTAs. Um, and I think he'll be fine for, for, for these, for these weapons that he has, um, particularly because he has a, a bona fide legit wide receiver one. Um, he's been put in some situations where he didn't have a great team either. Right. And uh, you know, just because he was, he wasn't good with with not with not so great weapons. He has a decent coordinator, um, decent. You know, it's funny. Like I was gonna say, decent organization. Washington's not known for for that, but <laughs> but as of right now, you know, great coaching staff, right? Yeah. Uh, by the way, their social media team is 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 doing their thing this summer. If you guys oh, aren't yeah. paying attention, they're doing their thing. Um, with the with the the first like the first day of OTAs pictures of all those guys and then like Ryan Fitzpatrick walking around with a cicada in his beard today like it's just it, they're doing a good job and Ryan Fitzpatrick is playing into it too. Um, they're probably excited about that. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, hundred percent. But anyway, but I think it's one of those situations where like, am I super excited about Ryan Fitzpatrick as as a fantasy quarterback? No, but I do think that he is a, a big improvement for what Terry McLaurin had. Remember, like he, he, he look at who his quarterbacks were over the past couple of years. Fitzpatrick is going to be a big improvement for that for him. Um, Aaron Rodgers is not reporting to OTAs. Um, James James Jones was on Colin Coward's show and said that hey, like you know, this is a situation where James Jones, James Jones has always been super uh, positive, like like glass half full with Aaron Rodgers in this situation. Um, you know, other people not so much, but it's one of those situations where um, he thinks that Aaron Rodgers is. Uh, is going to be able to, you know, they're going to re- be able to repair this relationship. That the relationship is not the 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 bad blood is not between him and the GM, but it's just about having a conversation, um, and not about a contract either. 
So we'll see. We'll see what, what happens. As of right now, Aaron Rodgers isn't there. It is, you know, some some are reporting that he might not be there for the first few weeks of the season. Um, maybe not reports, but more more so uh, predictions. Um, that's possible, but I, I, I don't know. I don't know. It, it's really hard to... It's really hard to figure out what they're going to do and what Aaron Rodgers is going to do. But I, I don't know. I, I feel like if it's not about a contract, I think he'll be back, um, you know, before the season starts and even in training camp. I don't know. Because I feel like with Rodgers, I feel like there's this mental battle between him and the Packers staff and personnel of, like, who's more important, right? Not that Aaron Rodgers wants to be the more important guy, but at the same time, like, he wants that no, respect. No, no, it is that. It is that. He does want to be the more important guy. <laughs> <laughs> he wants to. He wants them to start Jordan Love, right? Like and say like, okay, look, look, look how bad you guys are. But listen, I, I'm not. I'm going to say this. Like, I, I think there's a chance they win a few games even with Jordan Love. Yeah, but it, you, know, you know, I think he, even really if Jordan Love is tr- even if Jordan Love is hot trash, uh, they have a, a roster that they can run the ball. You know they could they could do whatever they need to do. They can dunk it. Listen, this is a, a LaFleur offense. They can get it done without Aaron Rodgers. Um, yeah, I believe that. I believe that. I don't they, think they, they can, can go to the Super Bowl, but I believe. Oh no, hell can. no! They're not going to get in the Super Bowl, but they can win some games. Is what I'm saying. You know what I mean? They're not going to go 0 and 16. This is not a trash team. You know, if Aaron Rodgers doesn't play, obviously with Aaron Rodgers to become a Super Bowl contender, um, but the, without the only him, thing, five wins, the, six wins. The only thing I'm saying about like. This is that because it's not a contractual issue, like with a contract, it's not necessarily an easy fix, but we know the problem and we know the solution, right? And for the most part, these contract issues, they'll, you know, they'll, they'll be pretty lengthy until right about week, right before week one, and then they get their money and then they play, right? This is not the case. This is not a contract. If it's really not a contractual issue, there might be a more in-depth answer needed here. So I don't think it's as simple as he'll play. Because if nothing really gets solved and it's not about money, then, you know, like they have other stuff to focus on. The coaches have to worry about, okay, maybe we do have to get Jordan Love ready to, you know, for this season. Uh, We have a whole team to coach. We have these rookies coming in. So, yeah, I don't know. It's going to be tough. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Last last thing I wanted to talk about was Teddy Bridgewater's connection with Jerry Judy. Apparently they're hitting it off in camp, um, you know, there, you know, Jerry Judy's getting open. Teddy Bridgewater is trying to is finding him, and this is what I was talking about several weeks back when I thought that hey, if Teddy wins this job, Jerry Judy is going to be that dude. Because look at what Teddy Bridgewater did last year with all the guys that could separate. He was able to make them extremely fantasy relevant, right? Yeah. Um, Jerry Judy, you know, he might not be hitting these guys, you know, downfield for big plays, but you know, Jerry Judy can be a guy who's catching like eight nine, you know, eight nine balls, you know, for like. 95 yards, 110 yards, 120 yards, that sort in of thing. In PPR, that's good enough. Oh, it, it's amazing. Like, are you kidding? Like, eight balls for 100 yards? Like, I'll take that every game. That's Michael Thomas type numbers. Um, so I'm, I'll be happy with that. Um, and I'll be – listen, I'm personally – I know that Jerry Judy, you know, isn't a, a lock to, like, finish, like, as a wide receiver two this year. But I'm drafting him because that he has the wide receiver one type of upside. Yeah. Um, as a player, absolutely. As a player, yeah, he does. And like, I, I think that Teddy Bridgewater ends up winning this job. Um, and I'm gonna just gonna take my shot on Jerry Judy, like kind of no matter what. Honestly, I just want him on as many rosters as I can. I might, I might be end up reaching on him a little bit as well. Who's the wide receiver one in Denver? 
Yeah, no, that's the thing. And I think if, if like I was saying a few, several weeks back when we were talking wide receivers, I think if Teddy Bridgewater is the um, quarterback, I, I think it's Jerry Judy. I don't think Colton Sutton matches his style. When we're talking about Drew Locke, so Drew, Drew Locke, somebody who's going to be throwing it downfield a ton, I think Colton Sutton is going to be that dude. Um, Jerry Judy can obviously get open downfield too, but we, we saw that they couldn't connect as much, right? Jerry Judy yeah. was getting open and he was not getting hit, right, with those accurate targets. Judy also had a lot of drops too, but a lot of it too yeah, was but, just... but But I think the, uh, the drops are one thing. But not hitting your guy when he's open is another. Um, yep. You know, we would we wouldn't be talking about Jerry Judy's jobs if he was able to make all those plays that were on the field. You know, with his quarterback not being able to hit him. Yeah. Uh, Courtland Sutton. Uh, you know, he, you know, you don't have to be as as accurate with him, right? You're like you're not trying to hit a spot with Courtland Sutton. You're throwing it up to Courtland Sutton, right? He's not as much of a route technician like Jerry Judy is, right? Not as not that type of separation. It's a different type of separation with Courtland Sutton. So. Um, I'm taking my shot on Judy this year. Okay, let's listen. Let's, let's get the start the podcast. Let's, <laughs> let's get the tight ends, man. Um, well, the good thing is that you know tight ends aren't like this, uh, you know, super lengthy like you know a running back type it's of like thing. Where we're talking 30, then, 40 guys. Yeah, you know what I mean. We're gonna be going up over like you know the top 15, 16 guys, something like that, and if and a few you know a few late round guys that we might like. Um, so let's get into it, man. Travis Kelsey's my number one this year. Do you have anybody else at number one? Nope. No. Okay, you don't. Okay, I moved Darren Waller up to number two. Um, I I'm had I, I had I had Kittle there last time we talked several you know a couple months ago, um, but I'm putting Waller over Kittle this year. Um, like again, like he has no competition for targets, um, and he'll be the first option on this off offense by a mile. So, like, when the opportunity like this just meets immense talent like Darren Waller has, like, I, I can't I, – I just, like, I'm going to, like, put Kittle under him. And, and another part of that is, like, the same thing with Kittle where Brandon Ayuk is on the rise, right, and he's legit. So, Kittle has more competition for targets yeah. now than Waller does. And you can't tell me Kittle has that much more or is even that much more talented than Waller. Um, and then you add a little bit of injury history to that. And there's, mm-hmm. there's a little bit of a separation there for me now. Um, and then you add in the, the fact that like, there could be a new quarterback. How does he, um, how does he mix in, in terms of like targeting the tight end compared to all Joe these Mixon? other guys? You said Joe Mixon? I didn't say Joe Mixon, did I? No, you said mix in. So just, mix in. Oh. We have to mention, we have to mention him once a podcast. So that I was said just, it. That I was said it. it. He mixed in. Um, I think we mixed it already. Um, yeah, so like you know, he he, I don't know what I was saying. I I, I don't I don't remember. I just <laughs> but that's okay. There's less competition for targets in the injury history, and there's the separation. And I I 100. You know, honestly, like I was, I'll, I'll be honest. Like it just kind of felt right to put George Kittle at number two. I know. It just I know felt what you mean. like yeah. Right. It just felt like. But you know, you're right. I I, I think I'm gonna move Darren Waller to my number two. I had him three and Kittle two. But, I mean, if you look at the competition for Waller, like you said, it's gotten worse. I mean, Nelson Aguilar to John Brown, like, five years ago, wouldn't have been in question John Brown completely over. But John Brown in his 30s, Nelson Aguilar carrying this team with 800 receiving yards and eight touchdowns, like, that's a downgrade in terms of additional weapons for this offense. So the competition for targets for Waller has gotten better. Like, I mean, well, less in terms of 
better opportunities for more targets for Waller. So exactly. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and the next guy I have at number four, TJ Hawkinson, Me too. um, he, he's going to be the number one passing option for the Lions. There's no one else who is close to Hawkinson's level in terms of, um, in terms of catching the ball, in terms of route running, in terms of all that stuff. So like, I'm, I'm perfectly fine taking Hawkinson early. Like he's one of the guys that I'm okay with. Cause I just feel like the, the targets are going to be there. I think that he is going to slide in drafts a little bit, you know, it's a bad offense, but a lot of attempts, a lot of targets. The defense is going to be amazing. So it's one of those situations where I'm okay taking Hawkinson in like the fifth round. Um, and I think he might slide to the sixth in certain spots, depending on the type of your, you know, depending on your league, because a lot of people aren't going to want a tight end on the lines. Yeah, I, I feel that. I feel that. I love Hawkinson at four. I think he'll be a good value this year. Kyle Pitts at five. Is that where you have him? That's where I got him. Okay, so listen, we talked about Kyle Pitts already. Second option in the passing game. Like, who can you project over Pitts right now as the number two option now that Julio's gone, right? And we know how much Arthur Smith – Arthur Smith loves the tight end. You know, it's just a perfect situation. Um, Do you you really want to, like, rank a rookie as a top five tight end, you know, in redraft? It feels so weird to do. But when you look at all these other options behind him, you're like – why not? Not only that, but like, is it really that hard to finish as a top five tight end? Yes, exactly. So, and as part of my breaking down these tight ends uh, posts, I went back over the last five years and looked at what the tight end five in points per game averaged, you know, on a per game basis. So over the last five years, Rob Tanyan was the tight end five last year with 11 points per game. That's it. Right. 11. PPR? Kyle. PPR. Wow. Uh, the year before, it was Darren Waller with 13.8. Respectable. The year before that, Jared Cook with 12.1. The year before that, Jack Doyle with 11.3. And the year before that, it was Greg Olson with 13. Uh, and that's 2016. There was a lot of good tight ends around that range of years between Olson, Jordan Reed, and um, you know Travis Kelsey, Gronk, whatever. There's a lot of good tight ends at this point. But, like, it's not that hard, right? Kyle Pitts can easily hit 13, 12, 13 points per game or even higher, and that's on the lower spectrum of things. So, yeah, Kyle Pitts could easily easily finish his top five tight end. Yes, he's a rookie, but he's not your typical tight end. He, he's a receiver. He don't let that, you know, don't let that fog fog your ability to pick up the drafts. Agreed. Agreed. Um, I have Mark Andrews at six. Me too. Like, I don't know who else to put. <laughs> <laughs> listen if you want to put mark andrews like above guys like hawkinson or pitts like I, I i don't know like andrews is the first head end here like on this list um you know outside this top five who kind of becomes touchdown dependent right like so for me like he goes under hawkinson and pitts because i think hawkinson and pitts gets that target share now yeah. like, I, I do i know that pitts won't be touchdown dependent of course not but i'm projecting that his target share might be more secure on a more on a more pass heavy offense than the, than the Ravens will be, you know, relative to the Ravens. So, and, and I know, think the Ravens adding wide receivers as well kind of speaks mm-hmm. to a potential lower target share for Mark Andrews, as opposed to like Waller, if the Raiders drafted another wide receiver in the first round or whatever, like if the Raiders got Rashad Bateman instead of yes. the Ravens, then, you know, it could be a different story with Andrews, but 
Agreed, agreed. Um, but uh, apparently Andrews is still Lamar Jackson's favorite target so right so far in OTAs. Uh, but it's still early, and Rashad Bateman's still you know still a rookie, and he's yeah. going to come on at some point. Uh, but you know at least there's some some I guess some uh, attention taken away from uh, Mark Andrews now, right? And Hollywood Brown as well. So um, this is the point where we might have some different answers. So we'll see. Sure, I have Noah Fant at number seven. Um, I have. Dallas Goddard in anticipation of a Zach Ertz trade. Yes. You know, what's funny. Like I have Goddard at eight, right. And I have a note here that's saying that, Hey, Goddard can easily be seven here or even six. Um, you know, and I, and I think I might move him once Zach Ertz is officially traded, but I think it's going to be like the Devonte Smith Dallas Goddard show this year. Right. Like a lot yeah. of, a lot of tight end usage from this coaching staff, like including Nick Sirianni, right from his days with Frank Wright. So I'm expecting heavy Goddard like on this offense um, who's actually expecting a contract pretty soon. <laughs> right. Um, Absolutely. Like, I don't One know if you saw this, but Jalen hurts, Jalen hurts last year. He targeted either Goddard or Ertz on 33% of his passes. So, you know, things are looking good for Goddard. Not saying that he's going to get 30% of targets, but like a 20% plus target share, like pretty likely for him. Right. Like that's you- kind of the floor for Goddard. You should add uh, Richard Rodgers into that conversation as well, because with Ertz hurt on a couple games, with Jalen Hurts starting, when Ertz I mean, was Hurts, huh? When when you saw when, when Ertz, when was, Ertz hurts. was Hurts with <laughs> when Ertz was a Hurts with Jalen Hurts. <laughs> uh, you got me confused, but just know Richard <laughs> Rodgers. Even when Zach Ertz was not in the game, Richard Rodgers was also seeing targets. So it wasn't just the Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard being two very good tight ends. It was the position itself, even so last year with these right. guys. So that's just right. the point of that. And I'm fine. I'm fine, you know, having him at, at seven. Like I have Fant. The reason why I have Fant at seven is because of his talent. Like I know the Broncos have a ton of pass catchers. Right? I have, have eight. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> Judy, Cortland Sutton, KJ Hamler, uh, Albert O even. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But like no offense still has a top five ceiling. Like he's that good. Like, and it's really just about um, opportunity meeting talent, right? Like the cream rises to the top mo- most of the time. Um, and this offense can be one that has multiple very fantasy relevant weapons. Like look at Teddy B last year, right? Like we just mentioned it, like three very fantasy relevant wide receivers. Um, I have a feeling he's going to get, get it done with Judy, you know, with Sutton, maybe not so much. And then like Fant maybe can, emerge as like a number two option for him right he can easily separate against linebackers and safeties he can get open so that's something to to watch with teddy you know um do you think teddy wins the job by the way over drew lock um i think teddy will start more games i think drew lock is going to start the season i think they want to see all right let's see if we actually have anything in this kid let's give him the starting role give him a few games. If he doesn't show any promise or any improvement, then we have Teddy ready to go for the rest of the season. Right. But I think that the the reps are going to be pretty even, at least split between the two. So I I don't think Drew Locke is a great player, but I think it's a little unfair to like kind of put that on him. So young and have, you know, he had some good moments. I don't know. We'll see. He's been given, he's been given a lot. And if he can't produce then. I, I only want him to start so he can like like start rapping more on the sidelines. Because if he's not starting, he's not rapping on the sidelines. No, he's not. You know he's not rapping. I want in the him to like win some games, rap on the sidelines, and, and do do his thing. Yep. Give him um, a little bit of that. Yep. <laughs> I moved Logan Thomas up. Um, I have him at Me nine. Too. 
Me too. Dude, our, our, our rankings are like, by the way, guys, we did not talk about this. We didn't even all. show. We usually, in the past, we've been like, hey, send me your top. Right. We, we didn't do anything. We haven't been doing, we haven't actually been doing that for the past couple of podcasts. Just okay, wait. Like it's, it becomes more interesting. Yeah. Be- before we go into Logan Thomas, who is your okay. 10? Uh, somebody that you definitely don't have a 10, Tyler Higby. Yeah, no, definitely not. You definitely don't. Um, and then okay. I have Blake, Jar- Blake Jarwin's next, and then Robert Tanya after that. Oh, wow. Your 10 and 11 are very different than mine. Okay. Yeah. Okay, good. So, Logan Thomas. Let's talk about him real quick. Yeah. Um, it's just one of those situations. He had a great year last year. I think the production, like, towards the end of the year, finally caught up with him. And now he has a better quarterback. Quarterback situation goes upgraded. Um, he'll have more competition for targets, I think. Um, but I, I think that, like, according to Coach Speak right now, like, they're trying to involve, involve him a lot more. They know what they have him in him in terms of a pass catcher. He run a, he ran a ton of routes for them. I think he was, like, near the top of the league in routes uh, run by, by a tight end. Um, so he's one of the most pass-heavy tight ends in the league. Um, so I think he, he's, like, a very safe lock to be a tight end one, period. Exactly. As long as he's Yeah. Home. And, again, being the tight end nine – probably just needs over 10 points per game which he can easily do right and on top of that like when we talk about the weapons that washington has from the outside it sounds like they have they're like loaded but terry yes terry obviously fantastic curtis samuel he's coming off a great year good number two guy and then it's like in terms of pass catchers Logan Thomas, but we're talking about outside of Logan Thomas. Isn't that kind of like it, right? Like you can include Antonio Gibson, JD McKissick. I mean, but this isn't a situation. And you have a Diami Brown who's still a rookie, by the way. You know, on the rise, he's not going to take priority over Logan Thomas in the situation. So a lot of people wouldn't say, like, oh, this is a loaded offense. It's so crowded. There's no room for a guy like Logan Thomas to be consistent. There definitely is. This definitely is. I I think Logan Thomas is going to be fine. One of my favorite buys last year. Doing it again this year. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. So so let's talk about some differences, man. So I have Higby at 10. I moved him up a ton. I had him at like 16 or 17. No way um, for me. So Higby is a late round target, number one. And he has a high ceiling, right? Um, his floor is very low. And while, you know, they have some young tight ends there, um, but Higby is a guy who can potentially get a lot of run in this offense. Um, they have an upgraded quarterback. Um, no Gerald Everett to share snaps with. There's a chance he sees a ton of work, honestly. Um, we have to equate these young guys. We can't equate these young guys that they have, their skill set, to Everett's, right? If we're going to think that they're just going to step in and take Everett's role, I'm not sure I'm ready to do that just yet, honestly. I think that they know what they have in Higby. They know what type of production they can get, that he can give them, and I think he's proven that. They really like Gerald Everett, not enough to sign him again, but they had these young guys, um, so they didn't have to sign Everett. But I do think that Higby takes a little bit of a step forward next year in terms of, like, playing time. Um, but it's one of those situations where I want to draft him late for the upside. He's not a guy that you're going to draft and say, like, like Logan Thomas, for example, who is, like, safe. You know what his role is going to be. Higby, it's really boom or bust. But the boom can be top five this year. I don't know. I, I don't know if I see the top five. Like, I know it's not hard to be a top five tight end. So that is the only reason I could see it. But at the same time, I've mentioned this time and time again, I think this is still going to be a run heavy offense. This is going to be a run first offense. Robert Woods and Cooper cup 
very much so are going to get theirs. There's going to be some pass attempts to this backfield. Um, and yeah, you know what? It, it's, there is a, like you said, it's, there's no guarantee anyone like a Bryson Hopkins comes in and assumes that Everett role, but it's also not impossible too, because I feel like with, with uh, Sean McVay, there was something he liked about getting these different types of tight ends, different types of reps, having Everett in, having Hakey in. He liked the duo. He liked the combo of those guys drafting uh, Bryson Hopkins as high as they did. I believe it was the third or fourth round, uh, like middle of the third last year. Um, there's a chance he comes in and takes that role. I mean, look at Harrison Bryant last year for the Browns. He came in and he, he had games where he had seven or eight targets right? As the backup tight end next to Austin Hooper. And he played over David Njoku when David Njoku got back from injury. And that's just one situation with one team. And I completely understand that, but like, I, I don't know, man, I, I it's going to, it's going to, it's going to have to do with the, I'm going to have to hear some off season speak do you, about. Do you remember Hopkins. what Tyler Higby did at the end of 2019? Yeah. With five easy matchups with passing the ball 50, 60 times a game, with no Gerald Everett on the field. And I believe Cooper Cup was also hurt. Cooper Cup wasn't hurt that entire for that for that span, right? Brandon Cooks was out for a little bit. Um, okay, yeah, that's Cooper, Cooper Cup Cooper Cup was in, but Brandon Cook wasn't hurt for that entire span either. But Gerald Everett was out, right? It Brandon Cooks is not on this team anymore, by the way, right? There was yeah. Brandon Cooks, Cooper Cup, Robert Woods. Brandon Cooks isn't there anymore. It's Cooper Cup, Robert Woods now. And who is going to be that third target? Right now, right? It could Dan Jefferson, very... Deshaun Jackson could be a running back. Could be. Did you just say Deshaun uh... Jackson? Deshaun Jackson, Joey. I know you're trying to make a point here, but don't, don't, don't. That, that can't be in your argument, dude. That two, two jo- Deshaun Jackson two, two is going to all of a sudden. It's all of a sudden going to be. Listen, Deshaun Jackson. The chances of him staying healthy for an entire year is almost zero. I know. I'm just. The, he's going to get his that, long. The chances that a rookie, done. a rookie that they drafted this year or the second year tight end taking that Gerald Everett role, I think, isn't zero, but it, it's not, you know, as likely. Like I'm, I'm more willing to bet that Higby gets an increase in routes run in snaps um, than he did, than he had last year, then, uh, you know, these two tight ends or one of these tight ends coming in and assuming that full Gerald Everett role, Gerald Everett is a very, is an extremely, extremely athletic tight end. Like if you look at his measurables, it's absolutely ridiculous. So I can understand why Sean Mavay wanted him on the field. I get that. Um, but this is one of those situations where like, I don't want to see Tal Higby, you know, on my board, like in the, in the, in the teen rounds and like after the 10th round um, and like, you know, pass up on a guy who I know is capable of putting up ridiculous bonkers numbers with the same coaching staff uh, with similar weapons with an upgraded quarterback. I just, I just don't want that to happen. I'm shooting for upside later in those rounds. I'd rather listen, man. I know what I'm getting in certain guys. And like, if I'm, if I'm, I'm not shooting for a tight end who is going to get me like nine, 10, 11 points a game. I'm, I'm going to shoot for somebody who can get me 15 fantasy points a game um, as uh, you know, for upside. If I wanted to stream tight ends, I can later on, but might as well, might as well shoot for the upside, dude. I'll, I'll just say this. Bryson Hopkins has, uh, you know, not his, measurables and metrics aren't off the charts but he is he is a pretty athletic dude 4.66 40 yard dash 82nd percentile he's got a great speed score 
Um, he had a pretty good college dominator rating. He had like over 800 yards in his last year as a rookie. I mean, not as a rookie, as a uh, senior at Purdue. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I'm not, I, and I'm not, that's not the only reason I'm off of Tyler Higby, but I just don't want to discount Bryson Hopkins potentially being that guy. He's an athletic guy too. Okay. Um, how, how has, how has Bryson Hopkins done so far in the NFL? Let's <laughs> do some more research guys let's do it let's do it we're on, you know, we're on, we're I didn't on here i want to talk about i don't want to talk about this man we got we i want to continue this is the this is going to be this is going to become a meme just us talking about tyler Herbie for the rest of the offseason yeah he hasn't done anything yet but you know that's besides the point dude okay that's listen so a guy who hasn't done anything yet is just going to come in and take snaps a significant snaps away from somebody who has the tight end record for a six game span in the NFL in terms of receiving production. Come on, Joe. Where do you have Tyler Higby? Can you you tell me where you have him? Uh, 16. Do you even have him ranked? Okay. I do. So he's like a top 20 tight end for you basically. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. So at least he's not like tight end 24. Okay. Let's move on. That's fine. Tyler Higby. I have Robert Tanya at 10. Okay. You have Robert Tanya at 10. Let's talk about Tanya real quick. I have him at 12. Um, Extremely touchdown dependent last year, right? But do you think there's a possibility? Let's assume Aaron Rodgers plays. Do you think think there's a possibility that he gets more volume in 2021? Yeah. Because I think, especially early on last year, he hadn't really established himself as a starter until like midway, you know, through the season. Like, in the first couple of weeks, it was like, wow, like, he's making some big plays. And then he kind of started getting more and more and more of the snaps. And then by the end of the year, he was always on the field. It wasn't Jay Sternberger like everybody thought. It was Robert Tunyon being that guy for them. So, um, you know, going to this year with the mindset that he's going to be their tight end one, he's going to be their number two target next to Devontae Adams. I don't think Amari Rogers, as much as I liked him as a prospect, I don't think he's going to come in and demand targets. I don't think they really have anybody else besides Aaron Jones who can come and demand targets outside of Adante Adams. So, yeah, I think Robert Tanyan, he could definitely see more volume. Um, and, you know, we, we played this game with Aaron Jones last year. We played the uh, – he's got progression coming his way because he just had this – and he did. Aaron Jones did see significantly less touchdowns. But at the same time, there's nothing saying that Robert – Tynan can't make up for potential lost touchdowns with added receptions and yards and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, like uh, the best, the best, um, the best, uh, I guess the best, I, I don't know how to say this, but if you want to beat regression, you just get more volume, right? That, yep. That's how that works, right? And like if you can get more volume, then the touchdowns can remain the same. And if Adam gets um, hurt, which Adams has gotten hurt, you know, throughout the years, those are potential blow up games for Tynan as well. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. Um, I have uh, Blake Jarwin at 11. Um, he was ready to break out last year, man. Uh, but Dalton Schultz took his place instead, and, and you know, he did his thing, like, big time. Um, and this is a high-octane passing offense. You can legitimately, legitimately have, like, four to five receivers on this team potentially all be fantasy relevant. Um, yeah. Like, I'm happy to take a shot on Jarwin late in drafts because if he's healthy – and he sees a majority of routes at tight end. I can see him easily becoming like a top six tight end or so. Um, I still want to hear more about whether like Schultz 
will be rotating with him, you know, that sort of thing, just because he, he held his own last year. Right. Yeah. I know that they're a lot higher on Jarwin than they are on Schultz. Um, but you never know. He came in, he was able to do some things, um, it, you know, in place of Jarwin last year. So it's possible that Jarwin doesn't see like, you know, you know, 75, 70 to 75% of the tight end routes next year, you know, as yeah. he was going to this past season. And, you know, for the pure reason of how easy it is to become a top 10 tight end, the upside in that offense, those are the only reasons I'm considering Blake Jarwin in drafts. But ultimately, like, he's coming off a torn ACL. I don't think he's this overwhelmingly amazing prospect to the point where, like, I'm going to bet on him as a player. Because it could very easily be Dalton Schultz showed out last year. Blake Jarwin, he's still struggling with injuries. We're going to start Schultz. And then what if if Schultz ends up being the guy? Is Schultz the top 10 tight end? Like, I, yes. I want to hear more about this situation before I spend draft capital, which, you know, you probably won't have to spend much. It could no. be 15, 16 for a pick. Exactly. But, like, you know, exactly. when it comes but down if, to if, it. Listen, if if I punted tight end, Blake Jarwin will definitely be on my list of, like, yeah, super late radar on tight ends. He's a high upside guy. Yeah, exactly. Um, now – I, I had Hunter Henry and John Smith at 13 and 14 um, only because I have no idea where to rank these guys. Um, that's why they're outside exactly my tennis spot. You have them exactly the same spot? Yeah. So I have I have my list right here. So first of all, I have Mike Gazicki at 11. Okay. I have Gazicki <laughs> at 20. Wow. Yep. I, you know, I still like just to get into that a little bit, I still like sure. Mikazuki as a player, you know, Me adding Jalen Waddle, adding Will Fuller, I think definitely is the huge breaking point for him. But I think he kind of did begin to get some of that chemistry with Tua. And I know Hunter Long is also there breathing down his neck. He's got a lot of odds stacked against him. But as a guy who really turned into Tua's, you know, like safe target blanket or however the hell you're supposed to say that last year. Um, <laughs> he's still got some upside to him. And I just think he's a very talented player. So that's why I have him at 11. That's his yeah, I get it. I mean, there's no way that Joey's going to rank Mike Kosicki outside his top 12. That just doesn't no happen. Joe Mixon is going to be inside your top 12. Mike Kosicki is going to be inside your top 12. So, right, and totally I have Irv Smith at 12. Oh, okay, cool. I have met, I have Irv Smith at 18 right now. Um, I, I, I saw don't... something on Twitter that was actually yeah. really interesting. You like it. Sure. Do you know which wide receiver had the most uh, fantasy points per target last year? The second most fantasy points per target last year. Is it Irv Smith? It is Irv Smith. My only, my only concern <laughs> with him is that, is he going to get the targets? And that's, that's what I was concern. worried about too, right? That's what I was worried about because even when Kyle Rudolph was hurt, Tyler Conklin came in and Tyler Conklin was kind of playing this role where he was splitting 50, 50 with Irv. Um, but you know, it's the upside. It's the upside. Yeah, as Smith definitely a has receiver. a ton of upside and like people who, who have him in, in dynasty leagues, like they've been holding on to him and hoping for something like this to happen. Oh, yeah. And they're, they're really hoping, but this, they were so, I'm sure they were disappointed, you know, when Irv Smith finally got that opportunity at the end of last year. Um, he did, he did a, a decent amount. Like, I think he was like, like a top, like in total, in total points, tight end point. I think it was like a top four or something like that. Yeah. Um, but you know, it, it doesn't really mean much when the rest of the tight ends are shit in the bed. Right. Um, yeah. You can't, I, you can't really have, count that. 
Let's see. I have Adam Troutman at 13, actually. Okay, I have him at 19. I, I, I don't mind. Yeah, I think Adam Troutman's more of a like a sleeper pick than a slam dunk to have him right yeah. outside my, t- my, my top 12. You know, I don't think any of these guys are slam dunks. Yeah, no, I hear you. But let, let me ask you. Like, I wanted to ask you about Hunter Henry and John Smith, though. Like, who do you have any inkling of who the guy will be? Do you think it will be both pretty equally? Do you think Henry. that one guy stands out more than other? Henry, I don't think he stands out by much. I have Henry 14, John 15. Yeah, right. Okay. I think both these guys are, they got paid the same exact money for the same amount of years, but I think they're different types of players. I think Hunter Henry is kind of that possession type guy. And John Smith is that big play type guy. Before last year, right? Let's say it's 2019. If if I told you Hunter Henry and John Smith were on the same team, oh, no question. Hunter Henry's the tight end one. John Smith hasn't even proved he could be a starter yet. Because before last year, it was Delaney Walker, right? Um, Delaney Walker was hurt a little bit the year before, and John Smith had his moments. But for the most part, like, John Smith – he, he never had a chance to prove himself as a starter until last year, and he still had com- some inconsistencies. He's a big play tight end. He's very athletic, and that's why I think John o. Smith is going to be a guy who's going to be used strategically. He's going to be, okay, we have a design play. Where we've seen John o. run the ball, right? I think when they get close to the end zone, having two tight ends on the field is going to be huge, and uh, they'll have design plays for John o. But I think Hunter Henry – not only is he an every down type guy, he's a possession receiver, but at the same time, he also has big play upside like Jonu. He's made some great catches. He's made some long runs. He's made, you know, he's had his big plays. So I think Hunter Henry, although he doesn't have what Jonu has to the extent that he has it, he has the same ability as Jonu and more as that possession receiver. So I think they'll be used in different ways. I think Hunter Henry is going to be the guy who's always on the field which is why I give him the slight edge and he has similar capabilities to Janu. But when it comes to design plays, I think we're going to see Janu being that big play type guy. Yeah. If that makes um, sense. I don't know. If no, it does. Sense. It does. I, if you look at their careers so far, you know, Hunter Henry has been, has been playing less in line than Janu Smith has. Like Janu Smith has lined up, you know, on the line, um, a lot more than, than Hunter Henry has. Hunter Henry has been used more as a receiver, you know, mm-hmm. over his career so far. Um, so that might be a little bit of an indication of how Bill, Bill Belichick might want to use them as well. Uh, but, you know, so was Gronk, right? Gronk was an inline tight end as well. Uh, he was a very good blocker, um, but he definitely ran out for those for those routes as well. Um, so, it, it, you know, it's going to be interesting to see. Um, this is definitely the type of situation that you want to see what happens in camp. Um, John Smith hasn't shown up yet for voluntary OTAs. Um, so we haven't seen these two on the field quite yet. Um, just yet. So, but, but soon we're going to see it soon and we're, we're going to get some news out of this, uh, I think out of this camp. One of the things too, I know Bill Belichick is a fan of John Smith, but Bill Belichick adores Hunter Henry. If we saw that Patriots and Chargers game, he spent a ton of time after the game having a conversation with Hunter Henry in interviews. He said he's been watching Hunter Henry as a player since high school and he's loved him through his career. He's always wanted the chance to have him on his team. So I, I, I think obviously there is love and respect and admiration for a guy like John o. Smith as well. But I think Bill Belichick's fondliness 
of Hunter Henry is going to be a pivoting. It's it's sounding worse as I keep talking. That's a great, that's a great word. It's a, it's sounding yeah. <laughs> he likes Hunter Henry, but not you know. Yeah. Okay. He doesn't want a massage so, from Hunter Henry. Let, let's get into a few like potential late round targets. Um, I think Adam Trotman definitely is somebody that we should be targeting late. Um, you know, potentially like that. You had you said you had him at eleven. Uh, Troutman, 13. 13, okay. So Troutman is somebody who can potentially be the number two target behind Michael Thomas. Very possible. Um, he is a very good tight end, and he's made some plays last year. Uh, Jameis Winston could potentially be their quarterback. We know how much Jameis Winston loves his tight ends. Targeting them in the end, targeting them in the end zone, uh, targeting them you know, all over the field, honestly. You saw what he did with, with um, his tight ends several years back um i do think that he's a he's definitely a breakout candidate um who else uh chris herndon you know i think this might be one of like the last year we, we say it every year but this is one of those years where i think chris herndon could potentially do his thing you hear that i don't oh i, I hear a train you hear a train, train? that's High the chris train? herndon train that's the chris this is herndon chris train, train. I, it I has never hear, left I, the station I, di- I didn't hear a crash. Oh, it never left the station. Yeah. Um, never left the station, but it's taken off this year. He's finally got the cold. Listen, he's <laughs> he, he's not under Adam Gase. He's going into a system where, you know, the Shanahan system is coming to New York, where they've used tight ends. It didn't matter if Kittle was off the field or not. The tight ends they didn't address come the in, position in the offseason. They did not address the position in the offseason. It seems like they like what they have. Um, and Herndon had, had an amazing rookie year, and it just sizzled, you know, Still the way ever since. Um, who else? Um, are you interested in Gerald Everett at all in Seattle? Uh, minimally, minimally. You know, I'm. It's it's about what kind of targets he's going to get. We've seen some scattered production from the Seattle tight ends over the years. Um, I, I think he'll still. You know, he could be a value if he does something, but. I don't know. I'm, I'm not like heavily targeting him. I'm not like, go. I have to make sure I get Gerald Everett at the end of my draft. No, no, nothing like that. But if he, you know, would he be a potential late round grab? Um, if you, yeah. if you're talking tight ends, because yeah. he's being drafted extremely late. Yeah, um, I can see that. What about Cole Komet? Are you still interested in Cole Komet? So on the I made a tweet about this a little while ago. Um, for 2021, my interest in Komet is like this border top 20 type of guy but if we're talking dynasty and if we're talking 2022 Cole Komet is one of my favorite buys right Justin Fields going into his second year owning that starting role Jamie Graham likely no longer in Chicago he's still in Chicago right now by the way yes um Allen Robinson potentially a free agent and from the sounds of you know his contractual issues this year and him getting older in age there's a good chance Allen Robinson is going to be a free agent after the franchise tag this year. Um, Komet would be entering his third year at that point in the league, which tight ends usually pick up their stride in the second or third year. So Komet could be set up for huge success in 2022 as being a great sleeper. But 2021, I'm not yet ready to label Komet as that type of value. But um, just know if you have Dynasty, now is a great time to buy him and just stash him for a year because he could be huge for you next year. Great point. Great point. Um, were there any other late round tight ends you want to you want to bring up or, or any tight ends we haven't discussed? So a couple here. 
Um, Mo Ali Cox, assuming Zach Ertz doesn't go to Indianapolis. Uh, you know, Zach Ertz kind of likes his tight ends. He, he, I, and how good, not Zach Ertz, Carson Wentz likes his tight ends. And Mo Ali Cox seems to, I, I don't want to play too much into this, but I don't know if you saw the video of him playing uh, 21 with, or, or knockout. He was playing knockout with Carson Wentz and uh, they were having a good time and they're mm-hmm. building some chemistry with each other, which is great. Uh, Mo Ali Cox is one of those crazy, athletic, talented tight ends. They, they had, did not really address the, the tight end position this offseason. Jack Doyle has been on a flat line, you know, downhill type deal over the last couple of years due to injury and whatever else. Mo Ali Cox saw a ton of – he saw the most opportunity he has uh, at all last year, and I think that he's going to build on that, and he could be a pretty integral part of this offense considering they still don't have any wide receivers who really established themselves as number one. I'm not saying Mo Cox is going to establish himself as number one. And, you know, you're probably not in a position where you can draft him this year at a value, but if you're in dynasty, he's definitely someone I'm looking at. I think he's going to be a waiver pickup at some point this year. I think we'll have a span of a couple games where he's this top 10 guy, but uh, yeah, just Mo Cox, a name to keep in mind. Zach Ertz, I'm. I wanted I'm, to mention that, that that Trey Burton is also off that team as well. Exactly, Trey Burton no longer there. Uh, Zach Ertz. Some people think he is on the move to Buffalo. They just restructured Stefan Diggs' contracts, uh, creating about seven million dollars in cap space. Some people thought they were going to go for Julio, but Zach Ertz still very much in the trade block. It would it would be hard to see him still staying in in uh, Philly after you know, all the drama between the two sides this offseason. I thought he was going to be in Indianapolis for a while, but I don't think the Indianapolis Colts really want to spend any draft capital on him. So there's a chance Ertz goes somewhere like Buffalo where he has a chance to be a top 20 guy in that type of offense. Uh, some people like Jared Cook. I'm still more of a Darnold, Donald Parham type guy. Uh, I know you looked into Jared Cook as well and you saw. I can't, I can't get on board with anything Jared Cook anymore. I think he's donezo. He's sluggish. He's not the same guy. You know, it's just – I'm completely off of Jared Cook. Uh, one guy that we didn't mention that people are going to be mad at if we don't at least talk about is Tim Tebow. Um, oh, goodness. If oh goodness. mad that we didn't get the Team Tebow, please DM me. Dude, like, <laughs> I, I, I put out my tight end rankings a little while ago, and I got, like, at least 15 comments about where's Tebow. And I think oh, okay. maybe I think six I think they were just seven of them. I think six or seven of them were actually trolling. And right. I still like, but I think some of them were actually serious because I responded. I think 100% of people were trolling you. I thought so too, but I responded with like laughing emojis, right? Right. And they're like, no, seriously, why isn't he on here? Like, he's going to be, I was like, this can't Jesus be a real Christ. conversation. No. Like, there's actually people who out there who, I don't know. No, no, it's not happening, guys. Don't do it. It's not happening. Please. There's this guy yeah. in Clubhouse who's like, Tim Tebow is going to have over 700 yards this year. He's going to have touchdowns. I'm like, bro. Yeah, I've seen that. I think I, I've seen – it's a comedy. It's, I think it's a comedy room in Clubhouse. I don't think it has to be. Yeah. Um, I think that's it, man. Um, I, I, I don't think that there are any other tight ends really worth talking about. Um, so I'm going to close this out. Let's close it out now. Okay, let's um, close it out. Let's do it. 
thank you guys for listening. Um, this was a, a a good. I'm glad we were able to talk about the Julio trade and all. I'm, I'm glad there was actually some news coming in, or some at least some things to talk about from OTAs. Um, and that's going to continue, and that's going to like heat up as the season as the off season progresses into the summer. Um, so I'm, I'm excited, dude, like football is coming back. We're seeing some videos. We're seeing like, you know, guys making plays and OTAs and I can't wait for training camp. Training camp is just so much fun. So I'm looking forward to that. Thank you guys for listening. Um, this is upper hand fantasy podcast. Again, Joe is fantasy.football.analyst on Instagram. Go follow him, go check him out, go DM him. I am upper hand fantasy. Uh, I'm Faraz, by the way. Um, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, that would be, that would mean a lot to us. If you haven't rated, reviewed uh five star reviewed it that would be amazing that helps us out a ton as well um so thank you guys for listening we'll talk to you guys soon take it easy